Uh, today, we, again, we've got our anchor kids, elementary class, preschool and down is still meeting, but elementary class in here, as well as our middle schoolers. Anchor kids, if you're in the room right now, would you just give me a wave? I want to say hello to all of our anchor kids. You guys are amazing. If there's an anchor kid next to you, high fives are mandatory. Welcome our anchor kids in here with us. Uh, so great for anchor kids. Where's my anchor middle schoolers? We got some middle schoolers in the room. I know you guys are staying with us. We got a couple middle schoolers. Middle schoolers are just less uh, forward, raising their hands, but you're in here. We love you. Uh, we are having our elementary students and our middle schoolers join us today because today uh, we're going to talk about uh, baptism and dedication of children. So we're taking a pause on our Sermon on the Mount series. Those of you who brought your booklets, I'm proud of you. You get an A+, a gold star, whatever you want, uh, pat on the back. We'll get back to that series next week. Uh, but in a month, on July 30th, we're going to have a baptism and dedication Sunday. Uh, the plan is to be outside in the parking lot. And so we're going to take today about a month ahead of time, and we're going to talk about baptism. We're going to talk about uh, dedication and what does Anchor Church believe about it and uh, how this might uh, take place in your life. Uh, and so we wanted our Anchor kids and our middle schoolers in here with us. Again, kids, if you need crayons and activity sheets, they're available for you out there. We'd love to get those in your hands. Um, I know today we've got... Uh, different demographics of people in relation to following Jesus and in relation to uh, baptism. There may be some of you in here today who you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. Whether you were baptized earlier in your life or you've never been baptized, you've never kind of been in church circles, uh, we know that there's some of you here today, whether in the room or those watching online, and uh, you're here today, you're tuning in because of curiosity or because someone invited you that you're trying to appease, someone you're trying to impress. I don't know why you're here today, uh, but maybe today you, this is this is kind of a foreign concept to you. I'm grateful that you're here today. We intend to speak to you. Uh, we also know that there's some of you here today uh, who are followers of Jesus and yet have not been baptized. Um, I know that there's that demographic that we're going to speak to, and then I, likely the large majority in the room today would say that you are followers of Jesus and you have been baptized. Uh, I want to say that today we're going to speak to you as well. This isn't just a, oh, this should have been the weekend we had to the lake because I've already done this. Uh, we are a community. We are here for the body. And so uh, we're going to celebrate that God is on the move. And over the course of the last year, God has brought more people, not just to this community, but to faith in him. The gospel has touched more lives. And we're going to be a witness to this. We're going to celebrate. And so today I'm going to talk to you as well. Uh, I know this may overlap a little bit now, but we also know that we've got anchor kids and anchor middle schoolers. Some of you that are getting to the age of maybe deciding to follow Jesus on your own. And I would love to talk to the anchor kids and middle schoolers about baptism. And then there's also parents of young children uh, that are in the room today. And I want to talk to you about what we believe about baptism and infants and children. So we're going to hit all of these uh, in uh, succession here. We're going to hit everybody uh, and just believing that God's going to speak to you today. I want to start off by let's get on the same page with uh, what we believe about baptism. And then we're going to jump into dedication. Uh, to answer the question, what is baptism? we got four points today. If you're a note taker, uh, we'll have these four points up on the screen simply to answer the question, what is baptism? Uh, number Number one, what is baptism? Baptism is the first step of obedience for a Christian. 
It's the first step of obedience for a Christian, for someone who decides to become a follower of Jesus. And in the Sermon on the Mount series, we're talking about all the ways that it impacts our lives, the way that we reorient, uh, not according to our flesh or the culture, but according to the ways of Jesus. And we're talking through so many different ways that our lives are impacted uh, once we decide to follow Jesus. But the very first act of obedience in following Jesus is, is baptism. It says this in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is known as the Great Commission. Jesus is about to hand off the ministry to his disciples, his apostles, and this is what he tells them to do. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Since this is what I want you to do, as you carry on the work of ministry, as the gospel has impacted you and you are following me, I want you to go reproduce more disciples all throughout the world. And what you do, he says, first, I want you to baptize them. And then I want you to teach them. Uh, a lot of times we, we in, in church culture, switch these two around. What comes first, I want you to baptize them them. And then don't just leave them hanging, teach them. Disciple, let's grow in uh, our understanding of what it means to now be a follower of Jesus. But what he says to do first is to baptize. Now, for those who have chosen to put their faith in Jesus, what that means for you is first and foremost to get baptized and then root yourself in a community, a place that is teaching and living by example what it means to be followers of Jesus. That if we say, I'm going to follow you, what we do first is get baptized and then beyond that, we are rooted in a place that is going to teach us the ways and the practices of Jesus. This is what's expected as believers. So what's the first act of obedience? It is baptism. Acts chapter 2 is the first time that these disciples actually share the gospel. New disciples are being made. There's a, a crowd of people that gather around them in Acts chapter 2 because the Holy Spirit fell. They're speaking in other tongues. All types of people are gathering around, questioning what's going on. Peter stands up and he begins to preach the gospel post the ascension of Jesus for the first time. And he lays out the amazing story of Jesus, the amazing story of our sin and its consequences, but how uh, Jesus has redeemed us and that he is providing uh, our, our eternal life for us. And so the gospel gets shared and it says this in Acts 2 verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? They hear the gospel. It's stirring their hearts. They want what they're talking about. They say, what do we do? And the response from Peter is simple. He says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This is the first act of obedience. What did Peter knew? That when anybody decides that I want to follow Jesus, what do we do? Well, you repent, which means turn to Jesus. You're not living for your flesh anymore, but you're going to live differently. You're going to follow Jesus. And as soon as you make that transition that you're going to follow Jesus, he says, be baptized. And he says, who, who in the crowd of thousands of people is supposed to be baptized? Every single one of them. That the first act of obedience when choosing to follow Jesus is baptism, not just for some people, uh, but for everybody. And not after there is enough education, enough training. It's like the very first act of obedience. Um, I do want to say this and be clear that we do not believe that baptism, the work of baptism, is essential for salvation. It is the faith that's stirring in your heart. It is faith in Jesus that all men are saved. It's, it's faith in him. But I do want to be clear on this as well. That's, um, 
faith in Jesus and salvation by faith in Jesus and the act of baptism are like so incredibly close because it's the first act of actually believing. That if you believe and you want to follow Jesus, you will behave in according to the ways that he's asked you to live. And the first thing he wants us to do is to be baptized. So it is faith in Jesus with which we are saved. But if that faith is real, the very first act of obedience, if that goes unfulfilled, I'm not sure that we're actually following Jesus because his heart is that you would be baptized immediately as you have put your faith in him. Um, the example that's often used as uh, baptism being unnecessary for salvation uh, is, is the thief on the cross. And I'm glad that this story exists. There's this thief on the cross. He, uh, he, he's lived a bad life. He deserves to be condemned to death for his sins. He's on the cross next to Jesus. Early in the day, he is ridiculing Jesus. He's joining in the mockery. But by the time that the, the afternoon's coming around and before he dies, he cries out faith in Jesus. He says, uh, remember me when you enter your kingdom. That something shifted in his heart while he was nailed to this cross. He's essentially on his deathbed. Something changes. And Jesus's response is, today you'll be with me in paradise. An example of a guy who put their faith in Jesus and never had the opportunity to get baptized. And Jesus wasn't wringing his hands, wondering if he would get into heaven because he didn't find a way off that cross, find some water, nail himself back to the cross before he died. Like he did say that salvation is available to you without the waters of baptism. But I want to make this very clear that um, this is this is not the norm. Like this is this is an example that we do have, but this is the exception. It's not the rule. The rule of Scripture is anybody who has the opportunity, who has days of their life left after putting faith in Jesus, gets baptized. So I love that this example of the thief is there because uh, we don't believe in a works-based salvation. There's no works that save us. It's faith in Christ. It's His finished work that saves us. But when we are saved, we obey. There are works that follow our faith. His grace touches our lives, faith stirs inside, and then we behave in accordance to that faith. And the first thing is baptism. And it's not, again, the baptism that makes the salvation, but it is the first step in obedience when we have experienced this faith. Um, If you believe, you'll behave. And unless you are nailed to a cross of some sort, on a deathbed of some sort, where baptism isn't possible, that the act of obedience of baptism is expected of believers. So what is baptism? Number one, it's the first step of obedience for Christians. Number two, baptism is the immersion in water with the purpose of identifying with Jesus. It's the immersion in water, but not just to get wet, but to identify with Jesus. What scripture teaches of this immersion, what this symbolizes. A baptism is a, a, a confession that a person is committing themselves fully as the property of Jesus, that I'm following him, I've made my decision uh, to be a follower of Jesus, and this is the public statement of that, uh, that I'm identifying with Jesus. Um, the consistent story that we see in scripture is, is immersion. And uh, so I know some different faith systems believe in sprinkling or dabbing or pouring some water on, and I'm not here to criticize that at all. We just see that uh, the, the consistent example in scripture is when possible, it's immersion. Now, again, I'll say it's not the act of the, the baptism, what percentage of your body got underwater, there's like what percentage you're forgiven. I remember one time like bapti- baptizing someone and like a foot came up out of the water and I was like, uh, did this work? And I'm like splashing their foot. Like, hope this is okay. 
uh, because it wasn't the water, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the behavior, it was the, what's going on in your heart, faith in Jesus, and I'm identifying with him. So again, there may be some circumstances in, in a hospital bed or where the depth of the water isn't available, where the heart, the act of obedience is present, and, and dabbing or sprinkling and pouring may be the example that is, is necessary. But we just believe if you can find water deep enough, let's just follow the biblical example. Let's get immersed in water. Let's completely go under and leave what was old behind and come up anew. So we, we practice as best we can full immersion because that's the example that we see in scripture, but it's with the purpose of identifying with Jesus. Romans chapter six ties in this point with uh, the next point. I want to read verses one through five. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, what a statement, let's read it again. Uh, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So we see baptism, it is this union, this symbol of unification with Jesus, that we are, we are not just uh, have an intellectual faith, but we are united with him, that we are identifying with him, that, that he is, that we are his possession. And I love that it goes beyond that and says that, uh, that we, we joined him in his death and his burial and his resurrection through baptism. Point number three on what is baptism is baptism is the funeral for the old you. You guys remember that old you? Oh man, that pre-Jesus, pre-grace, pre-gospel you. What's amazing, it says that we are united with Christ, but when we go into the waters of baptism, it's a funeral. It is putting that old you into the grave. And when you come back, back up out of that water, you are joining Christ, not just in the death and burial, but you're coming up in resurrected life. I mean, when I start considering what scripture is teaching here, it's like, I don't know why we're not like begging to get in the water. Like the old me. I don't want it hanging around anymore. And I think what's so, so difficult is sometimes like we put faith in Jesus and like the old is gone, the new has come and there's new life that's been granted to us, but we're still kind of packing around the old us because we haven't buried it yet. And we wonder why the stench of our past and our addictions and our problem and our anxieties, maybe they're still clinging on because we haven't buried them yet. And I say that if you put your faith in Jesus, you need to have the greatest funeral party of your life by saying to that old you, you're not hanging around anymore, that we are joining with Christ in the burial, and we're going to come back out of that water without that guy dragging us around anymore, that we are buried with Christ, and we are raised to new life. Point number four, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward commitment. So baptism is the first step in obedience. Baptism is the immersion in water with the purpose of identifying with Christ. Baptism is the funeral for the old you. And baptism is an outward symbol of an inward commitment. That inwardly you are putting faith in Jesus. You're identifying that you're following him. And this is the public display. This is the outward expression of that commitment that you've made. Uh, probably my favorite example of this is, is the wedding ring. And I always talk about this whenever we 
talk about baptism. Uh, this wedding ring is not what makes me or anyone who has a wedding ring on. It's not what makes us married. It's not like if this gets put on your finger, you are married. If it's not on your finger, you're not married. But it is a, a statement. It is a public sign of a commitment that has been made. And anytime a wedding ring is noticed, that it is a reminder to the one wearing it. No, I have made a commitment to be faithful. I've made a commitment that I'm not like dating around anymore. Like I, I, I've made a decision for the rest of my life. I've communicated vows and, and commitment that no matter what the days ahead are, no matter how easy or difficult, like I, I'm reminded that I have made those vows and I've made a commitment to, to my wife. It's also a reminder to the spouse who sees that, like this person has decided to maintain faithfulness to me for the rest of our days. And it's a statement to anyone who might just happen to see it wherever you are, that it's a statement that that person has made a decision, that they're not shopping around, they're not on the market, that they have decided to commit their lives in one direction to one person. It's what baptism is. It's making a statement to, to you. It's making a statement to, to others. It's making a statement before your God that I'm not like just curious. I'm not just kind of dating around anymore. Like I, I have encountered your grace and I'm, I'm in and I'm committed. And I don't know what the days ahead might look like. I don't know what challenges I might face, but I am choosing to follow Jesus. And when we go into the waters of baptism, and this is why we love to do it publicly and with our church body, is we are letting everybody know that this is a decision moment for me, that no matter who sees this, it, they know that I have made a commitment. I'm not going back to, to considering what life was like before. I'm following Jesus for the rest of my days. I want to take a, a minute here and I want to talk to anchor kids specifically. If you are an anchor kid, I'm going to ask you, will you just come out of your rows right now? And you're all going to come right up here. We got some space up for, here for you. Everybody give it up for anchor kids. I've got a few of you I asked to join me on stage. Finn, come on up. There's a couple of uh, anchor kids I asked to join me. Finn, you can come up on stage. Here, the rest of the anchor kids, I want you to sit down here facing me. Can you guys sit down here, face me? Can you sit right down here and face me? Can you go right here, right here, right here, right here? Asked a few of you to join me up here. Pate, you're coming on up. Awesome. Are they going to join me up here? Okay. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We, I'm going to ask you anchor kids to... Oh, perfect. Thank you, Casey. Come on up, ladies. You can come up on stage with me. You come up on stage with me. You guys are the best. Thank you, I didn't give you guys enough warning. Okay, Anchor Kids, I'm gonna ask you for your help right now. Uh, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna introduce you, you might know the, your friends already, I'm gonna introduce you to them, and then what I'm gonna ask you to do is if you can tell us something that you think this person might like just by observing them, just by looking at them. So we're gonna start here. What's your name? Finley. Everybody say hi, Finley. Hi. How old are you, Finley? Eight. Eight years old. Okay, Anchor Kids. This is Finley. He's eight years old. Who can tell me something that Finley might like? Go ahead. What do you got? Basketball. You think he might like basketball? I like it. Anybody else think he likes basketball? Yeah. Anybody, any other guesses of what he might like? What do you got? <laughs> you think so? I think so too. What else do you think he might like by looking at him? Is there a team he might like? Does anyone know who this is? It's the Warriors, the greatest team. What do you got? Gold State. Uh, let's look at the back of this. Who's on your jersey? Curry. Oh, Steph Curry. Uh, so maybe, do you think 
Finley likes to dunk or does he like to shoot three-pointers? I know. <laughs> uh, how did you know that about Finley? Go ahead. Yeah, because he looks like it, right? He put on the jersey. He's holding the basketball. All right, what's your name? Pate. Everybody say hi, Pate. How old are you? Uh, nine. Pate is nine years old. And they, this one, you might have to look a little bit closer, but what do you think Pate might like? Go ahead. You can just yell it out. Legos. Legos. Is it true? Do you like Legos? So if he likes Legos, what might that mean about him? Anybody? He likes to build stuff. Is it true? That's amazing. I love it. Thank you. And what are your names? Edie. Edie? And? Keelan. Keelan. Can you everybody say hi, Edie and Keelan? How old are you? Five and a half. And? Seven. Five and a half and seven. And what do you think these ladies might like? Go ahead. Dancing. Is it true? You don't like dancing? What's up? Okay. It's a different outfit. It's not a dance outfit. It's a great guess. What else do we got? Go ahead. Ballet. Ballet. Close. Let's keep trying. What do we got? Gymnastics. Is it true? Do you guys like gymnastics? And how did you know that about them? Yes. Now, this is what I want to tell you, anchor kids. Baptism. It's like putting on the outfit. It's like carrying the Legos. It's like wearing the jersey because it's something that you love and you care about and other people can notice it. Other people can see it. And for Finley, maybe not everybody likes basketball. Maybe not everyone likes the Warriors, but if he wears this, it's like it doesn't, like even if you don't like it, even if you don't want to play basketball, this is something that I love and I, it's okay if people see it because it means a lot to me. Uh, and probably all of you have something that you really like, you really love, and sometimes you wear it, sometimes you carry it, sometimes you go to that practice, uh, sometimes you watch it, whatever, but something that you care about and that you love, sometimes you identify with it by wearing it or showing it to other people, even if they don't think the same way that you wear it. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is saying, I really love Jesus and I want to identify with Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And even if other people don't, even if they don't understand or they don't like Jesus the way that I do, I want people to know because Jesus means so much to me. I don't want to hide that I like basketball. I don't want to hide that I like Legos. I don't want to hide that, that I like gymnastics. I, like, I want people to know because I love it that much. And so when we get baptized, it's letting everybody who sees know, I love Jesus and I really want to live my life to be like Jesus. And so this was one of the reasons that we get baptized. Everybody will give it up to our anchor kids one more time and you can head back to your seats. You can head back to your seats. Thank you so much. You did so good. Good job, you guys. You can hang if you want. So I want to talk about dedication really quick, the difference between baptism and, and dedication. Uh, we probably all could come up with a definition, a working definition of dedication, but it simply means to set something apart for a sacred purpose. And so when we talk about dedicating children, it's we are setting them apart for, for a godly purpose. We're setting them apart to know the Lord and to follow the Lord. Um, there are actually not a lot of examples in scripture like there are for baptism. There's not a lot of examples in scripture uh, about dedication. And we don't believe that uh, dedication is like a 
sacraments, a required act of obedience, but we do think that it is a beautiful act as parents to dedicate your children. The two most prominent examples you see in scripture is Old Testament with the prophet Samuel and then Jesus himself when Mary and Joseph take him to the temple. Uh, just so we can see it, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, this is Samuel's parents, specifically his mother, praying. And he says, for this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I've also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And they worshiped the Lord there that they recognized the gift that this child Samuel was. They had prayed for this child. God had given them this gift of a child. And so they go to the temple to worship the Lord and say, this child is now dedicated to serve and obey the God's plans for his life. And Luke chapter two is where we find Mary and Joseph taking infant Jesus to the temple and dedicate him. And in both of these scripture passages, uh, the parents are entrusting the child completely to the plans and the purposes of God. They're gonna raise this child to know the Lord's voice and to follow his directions. So I want to say this again, uh, dedication. I don't know what maybe different stories or backgrounds or experiences you've had, but for us here at Anchor, uh, again, we don't believe that in dedication as a sacrament or required obedience. Um, and we don't believe that dedication imparts salvation to a child. Uh, we believe that salvation comes only through personal faith in Jesus, recognizing someone's own sin and need for a savior and calling out to Jesus and his finished work of his life, death, resurrection to be that substitute. That it, That is a personal individual decision. And so the ceremony of dedication is not making sure that your baby gets to heaven because you took him to church and someone prayed for him. What it is, is that you are, as parents or as guardians of the child are formally and publicly committing to raise this child in accordance with scripture and to follow the plans and purposes that God has for this child. It really is a commitment, a decision being made by the parents. It's not a work that puts the child in right standing, but it's parents committing vows publicly to raise this child. It was a gift to them, to their family, to this community, and declaring their intentions to raise their child in a God-honoring way. And I think a part of that is when that child is at the age of understanding the gospel and their need for a savior, then you encourage them to, to get baptized. Um, this is what we, we believe. So we're going to have uh, on the 30th, not just baptisms, but those who have children and your intention is to raise them in the purposes of God, to know the Lord, to be in faith, community, uh, that we just come together and we pray over you as parents and we dedicate these children and the plans and the purposes that God has for them and that you as parents and us as a community would be a place to raise them in the ways of the Lord and one day celebrate when they choose faith uh, in Christ and get baptized. We want to be there for that moment as well. Uh, the question then is when should someone get baptized? The ways to look at it are based on age and and then based on response to the gospel at whatever age you might be. Uh, we don't have like a, a age requirement that you have to be 10 years old or eight years old or 12 years old. Uh, I think it's by each child. You as a parent knowing, uh, does this child understand their, their need for Christ and what he has done for them and what baptism means? And is it their own personal decision to get baptized? And whatever age that happens to be for your child, sometimes that's earlier for some kids, sometimes that's later for others. Uh, but our belief is that when it is their decision to put their faith on display, that they're choosing to follow Christ, not because parents are pressuring them or the other kids in class are doing it, but they're choosing, like, I recognize what Jesus has done for me and I want to follow him. That's uh, at the point at the age with which you baptize them. So that being said, we, we don't baptize infants. Um, we don't baptize those who don't understand 
uh, or aren't making this decision on their own. Um, to me, that's like equivalent of remember when you were a kid and someone snuck up behind you, just like dunked you underwater in the swimming pool and you thought you were dying. Like anybody else have a big brother? Uh, it's like, I mean, if it wasn't my choice to do it, it's like turning around and be like, oh, I baptized you. I, I, that's not what I was doing. Uh, we actually, uh, a couple years ago, we were at this uh, public swimming pool that had a, a really nice big hot tub and other people in the hot tub. And we were there with another uh, pastor family with their three kids and we got in this hot tub and there was other people in there and uh, our kids as pastor's kids do start play baptizing each other in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the hot tub was vacated in minutes. It was amazing. You ever want a hot tub to yourself just start pretend baptizing people. They'll go. But those moments were like, I mean, it wasn't like a personal decision. We were like, the parents were like, oh, that's, that's sacrilegious. Like, you can't do that. It was like, no, there is a point in the time where it's had, and our oldest two have gotten baptized, not just in the public hot tub, but like when it meant something to them. And so we don't want to just dunk kids hoping that it's doing something on their behalf that is in alignment with personal faith in Christ. And so uh, we're, we're not criticizing those who do baptize infants. We just believe that baptism, it is a personal decision to say, I'm identifying with Christ. And so we dedicate and we, we choose to raise children up. And then at the right time, uh, when it's their own decision, we baptize them. Uh, as far as maybe you are understanding, um, you, maybe you're an adult when you come to faith in Christ, uh, is there like a season of time before receiving the gospel and getting baptized? Like how long do I need to wait? What classes do I need to go through? Uh, I just want to say everything that we see in scripture, every example that's listed in scripture is immediately. It's, it's right away. Oftentimes it's the same hour, if not even the same day that there's not reasons to wait. It's the first step of obedience. There's a story in Acts chapter eight where this guy named Philip, uh, is riding in a chariot with this guy who had never heard the scriptures before, never knew about Jesus. Philip tells him the gospel. They're going along in this chariot and this guy spots some water and asks Philip, hey, I know I just heard this for the first time, but is there any reason why I can't get baptized right now? And Philip's like, no way. Stop the horses. They got out. They baptized him right there. Like immediately, within the first moments, he's heard of the gospel. There's another story uh, that we find Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. It says uh, that they were in prison. They were chained to the walls. And it says about the midnight hour, they start worshiping God. So it's midnight and uh, they start singing. An earthquake hits. The prison doors uh, open up. Their chains all fall off. And uh, the prison guard comes out and assumes everyone escapes. So he's going to kill himself because he knows his life is going to be on the line if the prisoners escape. Yet Paul and Silas say, hey, don't do that. We all stayed here. They say, why'd you stay here? They said, because we want to tell you about Jesus. They tell him about Jesus. And it's says at that very hour, he and his whole family were baptized. I don't even know what that very hour is, but it's somewhere between midnight and sunrise. So we're like 2 a.m. He's waking up his kids and like, we're getting, uh, we're going to go underwater right now. Like this is, this is immediate. They heard the gospel for the first time and they get baptized. This is the consistency in scripture that it's not classes and education and proving and observation periods. It is if there's faith in Christ, you get baptized. Now I will also say, that we better baptize 
and teach people and disciple and follow up on what it means to follow Jesus. He says, baptize and teach them everything I've commanded. Meaning if it takes eight months to get through the Sermon on the Mount, we better teach people what Jesus said, what he commanded. Uh, and I'm thinking it might be eight months at this point. Uh, we're we're, we're going to go because it says baptize them, but then you better be sure that you're also teaching them. Education does come. Training does come. And it affects the way that we live. But we don't wait for that before you baptize. You baptize and then you teach, which also means for those of you that are going to get baptized, you are to be baptized and then you're to be taught. You don't get baptized and then disappear, hoping that that, no, you, you baptize, and then you get yourself in a place rooted in a community that's teaching you the ways and the teachings of Jesus. Um, and you want to uh, answer a couple of questions. One, what about those who are already baptized and faithfully following Jesus? I know that's a good portion of our church. You're faithfully following Jesus and you've been baptized. What does baptism Sunday mean for you? Um, have you ever been to a wedding that's not yours? Okay. It's really cool. Um, I don't know what parts you go for. I don't know if it's because you want to cry when the bride walks down the aisle or when the vows are shared or if you're there for the food and the cake or the dancing, um, maybe all of it. But the reason we go to somebody else's wedding is one, to celebrate someone we love, absolutely. But there is power and legality in having witnesses to this moment. In fact, you cannot legally be married without witnesses. Now, you only have to have two right now in this day and age that we live in, but uh, you invite more because there is power in witnessing and being a witness uh you you felt it sometimes you recall your own heartache or you you recall your own celebration sometimes you're recalling your own story sometimes it's just such a beautiful moment of recognizing what's really matters in life and like there's something that stirs in us in these moments as vows are being shared between husband and wife there's also power in being a witness to, to testifying of what took place, what happened, to, to in future days being a reminder and a source of encouragement to the couple who on that day of celebration, uh, we were there for them. But then on the day where it's not as easy anymore that you are still there for them and you're testifying and reminding them of who they're to be. First Corinthians 12, I just love what this says about uh, the body of Christ and what baptisms mean for us. First uh, Corinthians 12, 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. We're all different, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Now, first and foremost, we already talked about, when we are baptized, we are being united with Christ. That is the ultimate miracle of baptism, of what we are, are stating through baptism. But what I love about this is though secondary, simultaneously, we're being united with a body of believers, a, a community of faith. And so not only is that a moment of celebration and union happening for the person that's getting baptized, but it's a moment of celebration and union for the rest of the body. That when we, in a month from now, are out there and we see some of our community being baptized, that first and foremost, again, it is their union with Christ that we're celebrating, but they are simultaneously being baptized into a body. That uh, we are experiencing a bond of unity. I think it's also amazing because we get to witness the gospel at work in our community and in our local church. Uh, oftentimes as we come on Sundays and 
we just uh, interact with limited pockets of our church. Uh, we can see how the gospel is at work in our own lives and in our families and our marriages. Uh, but we don't often get to see how God is working in the rest of our community. And Baptism Sunday is such a sweet moment to see how the gospel is at work in the lives of other people in this community. They, he's not only working in the front row, he's working in the back row. He's working from people that are aisle sitters and middle sitters. Uh, he, he's working from those in this room, those that are online. He's working not just in here, but in the kids space and in middle schoolers as they go upstairs every week that the gospel is at work and certainly it's wonderful to notice and celebrate what he's doing in your life but we get a moment to see what God is doing in the lives of the community around us and uh, we show up and we celebrate what God is doing and when we witness it it stirs our faith and it broadens our perspective last question I want to ask and then um band you can come on up right now actually last question I want to ask is um uh, or answer is, is what about those who have already been baptized? A lot of times we come to moments like this, like, well, I was baptized when I was a kid. What does that mean? Should I get baptized again? Um, my question to you is if you have been baptized previously, was it your personal decision to put your faith in Christ on display? And if it was, that's awesome. That's what baptism is. If you got baptized and you don't even remember it, you don't even know someone else just did it to you and it wasn't your decision to put on your to put on display your faith in Christ, I think it's something to consider. I think it's something to pray about. Was it your decision? I think sometimes people ask, like, are, are, repo, are repeats okay if I've already been baptized, whether I remember it or not, whether it was my decision or not? Like, is it bad to get baptized again? Like, do two positives make a negative? I want to be really careful here as we jump into this. Um, I want to tell you that um, I think repeats are okay. I don't think they're always necessary because you had a bad week, and so you got to get baptized again to make sure that your sins are forgiven. That's not the point. Um, it's saying, I'm committing the rest of my days to follow you, and every time that we're mean to our spouse, we don't get remarried, uh, but there are moments of like, no, I, I'm not walking away from this vow that I've made, but I do. Um, maybe you've witnessed before. I had the, the chance of witnessing uh, vow renewals um, where there was a couple who never got divorced, but They'd been married for a while and had gone through some stuff. And uh, then it was time, and, and there was a celebration where family and friends came together, and, and vows were renewed. And nobody that was there was like, dumb, it worked the first time. Everyone was like, this is actually pretty sweet. Like, maybe unnecessary, but everyone was celebrating the fact that they'd been through some stuff. And there's still years ahead, and there's a, a faithfulness that's being recommunicated publicly. I think sometimes rebaptism, it's not because the first one didn't work, and it's not, it's, but sometimes it's, you've been through some stuff. You've not been faithful, you've been distant. You really walked away from what that baptism meant at some point, and now there's a coming back to following Jesus. Um, I think I want to be a community that celebrates that. Is it necessary? I, I, I don't know. But when someone says, I, I want to publicly declare that I'm going to follow Jesus the rest of my days. I want to be a community that's a gathering around and celebrating and testifying and reminding them in the days ahead of the commitment that they made. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me? If you're here today and you are a believer, you are a follower of Jesus, and you've not yet been baptized. Um, I just want to tell you it is a simple but profound act of obedience. And I'll just say it bluntly. If you're following Jesus and you haven't been baptized, you need to.
I'm not saying it has to be here on the 30th of next month, but you, you need to obey. It is the first act of obedience. And for those of you that are believers, I don't know what's on your calendar and I'm not making you change everything up, but on the 30th, we're going to show up and we're going to celebrate. We're going to witness what God is doing in the lives of people that uh, we just don't know the story. We're going to be witnesses and it's going to stir our faith and it's going to broaden our perspective. And there's going to be witnessing this, this display of union with Christ, but there's also going to be union with us. That's why we're going to hang out afterwards. We're going to try to have some food and like have an opportunity to like get to know somebody and not just say congratulations, but like you are a part of me now. We're a body together. How do we treat each other in accordance with scripture? So we're going to show up. If you're here today and you're not a follower in Jesus, um, you can't take part in baptism without first embracing the reality that it represents burial and new life because of Christ. His gift that he's offered you. If you've not given your life to Christ, not decided to be a follower of Jesus, that's the first step. And then immediately it's baptism. And then we're going to be here for a long time, helping each other learn and grow in the ways of Jesus. So here's how we're going to end. We've got about five minutes. Um, we're going to pray. And then uh, on that QR code in front of you, um, you scan that. The very top option is to, uh, to express that you're interested in baptism or dedication. Um, if you're here today and you're interested, clicking that button doesn't like automatically mean you're going to get wet in front of a bunch of people, uh, but you're interested. And someone will talk to you. We can answer more questions, tell you more of what it will look like on that day. If you're interested in getting baptized or if you're interested in dedicating a child, would you scan that? It's a really quick form and uh, we'll have conversation over the next couple of weeks with you. And uh, again, it doesn't mean that you're absolutely doing it, but we would love to, to have you sign up now so we can start preparing for it. If that's something you're interested in. Parents, in these next five minutes, maybe you just want to have a conversation with your kids. Evaluate where they're at. Ask them if it's something they're interested in. And again, we're not forcing, we're not pushing. This is, if they've come to a place of understanding and a decision they'd like to make, we're going to celebrate it. Maybe you're here today and you want to put your faith in Jesus. On that same QR code, uh, there's a button that says, I've decided. And the first step is to just say, I've decided to follow Jesus. And similarly, there's just, what's the best way to contact you? If it's a text message, if it's a phone call, uh, if it's an email, whatever it is, someone on our team will just reach out to you and say, hey, we're so excited to have you as a, a follower of Jesus. And we want to walk alongside of you. So in these next five minutes, the band's going to lead us in a song. We're going to dismiss uh, for some of you. We're just going to worship and we're going to be praying for other people that are in a decision moment of getting baptized or not. For some of you, it's a conversation with your kids. It's a conversation with each other. Um, but I'm excited and uh, we're going to have a great, great time a month from now celebrating what God has done. But would you please do us a favor, scan that QR card, hit that button. And um, Lord, we uh, love you. We're so grateful for what you're doing. Thank you that you're alive and you're active. Your grace is still reaching people. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that's um, in every area. We see what you say in scripture and we follow it. That we're not going to conduct our lives according to our feelings, according to our desires, according to our flesh, but your word sets the standard. It's one of our values that we anchor ourselves to the truth of your word. And so we want to obey and we want to honor and as much as even on the Sermon on the Mount, there's so many ways we're applying obedience to you. We, we don't want to bypass the first step 
of baptism. So Lord, will we be responsive? Those who need to take this step of obedience would take it. And uh, we love you. Worship you.